Hi there, everybody. Uh, loyal listeners and new listeners and everybody else who's joining me for episode four of the Mr. Lindsay podcast. We are out of the school year. We are thick into summer. And what better way to have a podcast and talk about the great summer activity of boating. So today with my awesome dad, Bruce, we're going to be talking about boating. I spent most of my childhood boating with my dad and my family um, around Georgian Bay um, on our 30-foot cabin cruiser, you know, going camping and fishing and jet skiing and tubing and all sorts of different things, exploring nature, seeing wildlife, just really having amazing summers with my family. And so in, in the spirit of summer, I'm going to talk to my dad about these things get his take on what makes boating such a great family activity. I'm going to talk to my dad about some of his past experiences, boating and fishing and kind of what drew him into buying a boat and like having his family go on boating vacations around Georgian Bay. I'm going to talk to my dad about different um, experiences we had with nature, snapping turtles, snakes, owls, loons, all sorts of different things that we saw growing up. I'm also going to chat with my dad about the differences between boating and cottaging and why certain people might choose boating and what led him to buy a cottage and to abandon boating altogether and some of the factors that influenced him to do that. And so we're going to chat with my dad about that. And the other thing we're going to get to is understanding what makes boating such a terrific family activity and moreover, what really makes being outside, exploring the outdoors, an amazing family experience. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Dad, how are you? Hey, Colin, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, it's a beautiful, summery day here in Port Perry. What about in Brampton? Uh, it's a little bit overcast, yeah. but I uh, I did go down by the down by the lake to check out the condo after I got my hair cut, and that water is just so appealing. Yeah, it's actually it's quite humid today. Like it's like the humidity yeah. is just insane. Actually, it's almost too hard to go outside. Yeah, it's very tough, so stay in and stay cool. Yeah, will do. I'm really excited to have you on. This is episode four of the Mr. Lindsay podcast, and I was just like over the past week, I've been thinking about the summertime and like being outside and being on the water and just having gone camping, and I'm like, who's a better person to have a conversation about the summer? And that person is one of my favorite people in the world, and that's my dad. So I'm really psyched to have you on, I think. My listeners are going to be really happy to hear from you and to get your your thoughts on um, on some sort of summary type topic. So, uh, are you ready to go? I certainly am, Carl. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So, just for some, just to start with some relatedness, like, um, so um, you're my dad. We I have two brothers, so there's three kids. Um, just so for my listeners, what do you uh, what do you do for a living, Dad? Um, I'm in the automotive uh, business. Okay, you've been you've been in that area for some time. Uh, probably close to thirty years. Wow, um, that's amazing. Or, 
what um what and I'm going somewhere with this like what what connection like as a family um we started boating probably what did you say like maybe like when I was I want to like in grade five or something do you remember when I was, I was 19 yeah we, we actually got our first uh first boat uh good sized boat in 1996 mm. so how how long did we how long did we boat as a family for? Uh, four years. Four years on Georgian Bay. We had a uh, thirty foot sea ray and we had a twenty six foot sea ray. Right. I guess. Uh, the, yeah. I guess. And the the thirty foot sea ray was a twin engine boat, um, but a twelve foot beam, uh, about thirty three feet length overall. It was a wonderful boat. And it was a beautiful place to see shoreline from a beautiful spot. What I'd say, one of the most beautiful spots in this world. Yeah, I mean, and I, it's funny that I'm doing this podcast on this topic of boating because I was just actually camping in that area yesterday in the past week, and it really is amazing. Like, it really is an amazing part of the world, and like. Having, you know, as an adult looking back at our time boating and think of all the amazing things that we did, I was really got to thinking as to what, that's kind of my first question for you, is what inspired you um, as a father, um, as kind of head of the family, to get our family involved in boating? Like, where did it, where did that start for you? Well, you know, I was thinking about that, uh, being excited that we were going to have this podcast today to talk about that, and... I think uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do it was keep the family close. Uh, we were busy in the winters with uh, everybody involved in sports, like hockey and basketball and all that stuff. And I really felt that it would be a nice nice uh, thing to get all the family together, to go out on a boat and enjoy the, uh, the beauty that Ontario offers everybody. And quite frankly, not a lot of people get to... Uh, enjoy the uh, the province, enjoy the water, enjoy the the, the, the clarity of the water. The water is so clean to swim in, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're so lucky as Canadians because I think thirty percent of the the world's water is in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a, yeah, it's amazing. And when you're actually on Georgian Bay, which is actually just like an ear of Lake Huron, like it's actually just a small part of Lake Huron. You really kind of get in tune to like the size and the power, um, and just the beauty of of nature, but more so of the lake itself. And that was really present for me, just being on the beach on Thursday and just swimming in the water. That it's just like it's so massive, and it's just like a tiny piece of of the whole thing. Um, what initially, like I know you start like we started boating like on a on a houseboat on a vacation. But for you, what are some of your initial, like, experiences growing up that kind of made you think that being out on the water with family would be a good way to for the, to bring the family together, but also to, like, to get enjoyment out of summer? Well, I used to look forward to my, my uncle Don uh, lived, uh, had a house. He lived in Coburg, and then he moved to where his cottage was on Rice Lake. Now, Rice Lake... For those listeners who know it, it's not a, it's a very shallow lake that's part of the trench system. It's very weedy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
but I always loved the water. And I remember my uncle used to take me fishing and take me water skiing. And even we used to go up there in the winter and I'd take the snowmobile out and, and drive it on the ice. And uh, I can remember as a, as a kid, my uncle taking me fishing because Rice Lake is a wonderful lake to fish and you catch a lot of good fish. And I remember going out with my uncle. My uncle was a little bit impatient at times. Yeah. And I, re I remember, you know, not having a lot of experience casting a, a, a fishing rod and with the lure. And I, one time I actually cast the rod, but the lure somehow flipped up. And uh, your viewers may not believe this, but I actually hooked my uncle in the ear with a <laughs> mep, with a MEPS lure. And uh, this MEPS lure had like a, a three hook on the on. Uh, there's a three hook to it. And it had a metal, uh, an oval metal shiny piece of metal on it, which used to, when it hit the sunlight, the light would hit it and the fish would be attracted to it. Musky, largemouth bass, and so forth. So needless to say, our fishing expedition that day was uh, cut short. Uh, we, had to, we had to go back to remove this uh, newly uh, implanted earring on my uncle's earlobe. Uh, and I don't think I ever... After that, went fishing with him. I don't think he uh, uh, had me back for another fishing trip. But I do remember another time before this incident happened, we actually went out, and he used to call it one-a-day one Bass Island. And, and we would go out and fish off this island. And remember, Rice Lake is a very shallow lake. It was like 17 feet deep of water where we were fishing. And my uncle caught about a four or five pound largemouth bass. Wow. And I remember him keeping it alive. He put, put the fish holder thing through the ear, uh, through the uh, gills of it and brought it back. And it was a little bit brutal because he actually skinned the fish, filleted the fish alive. Mm -hmm. And then he threw it back in the lake and he said, Bruce, watch. Next time I catch this fish, it'll grow hair. So uh, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, it was my uncle. It was uh, his way of, I don't know, but he, he, he filleted the fish, uh, took off the, uh, the beautiful meat. Uh, I remember, I'm not a big fish fan, but we actually barbecued it and actually tastes pretty good. I, I did eat it because I, you know, I wanted to eat something that I caught, which is what the wilderness is all about. It's subsistence living, right? You can literally live and live off the land, which mm. we in the city, which we in the city don't do we we go to the grocery store and buy all our stuff right yeah it really brings you closer to closer to nature and uh closer to like things we kind of take for granted like oh sorry i gotta close the door here um yeah sorry there's some birds chirping there um yeah it brings you sorry it uh yeah that definitely bird, that, bird, that bird sounds like bobo yeah this, yeah those birds aren't or native to Ontario. Um, but anyway, no, sorry, no, no. sorry, going off track there for a sec. Yeah, it's funny to tell those stories because I actually, in my memory of, of boating, like I remember because Georgian Bay is so like, it's, it is, there's a lot of fish, especially like uh, pike and um, walleye and stuff. I remember we were on Bolze Island and there was someone caught a big pike off the end of the dock. And I remember just grabbing my fishing rod and because there's carp and stuff that are around the dock that we would catch. And like, I remember uh -huh. grabbing my rod and running to the end of the dock and like throwing in my fishing rod 
like hoping like if I guess if oh, this fisherman caught that big fish, then I can do the same thing and like I would throw my rod in and like trying to catch the fish, but I never really. I don't, it was all about that experience of catching the fish. Like, I don't know. I didn't realize that if I, if I even liked fishing or not, it was just like a matter of oh, I, the thrill of of like pulling something out of the water, and like there's so many other experiences too that I just remember like watching a water snake eat a fish it caught on the beach. Like yeah, I was going to bring that up because I remember that vividly. We're on Beausoleil Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a dock. It was right in the top bay on the opposite side from Frying Pan Bay. And I remember that water snake come. And I remember you pointing it out to me how this water snake had caught a fish. And we watched how the snake actually rotated the fish in its mouth mm-hmm. and actually swallowed it. And you could see the fish going down through the snake uh, into its innards where it would actually use its muscles to contract and uh, break the fish down. Yeah. It was, uh, and I do remember not only seeing that, but I also remember the nature, water, like these water snakes in the water, which, quite frankly, uh, freaked me out a little bit. I wasn't really, I'm not a real fan of snakes, and as you know, on that on that particular island, and and all the way up, all the way up through to Killarney, which we also boated to, which was a couple hundred miles north. Um, the Massasauga Rattlers. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and I think my little brother Cam, he uh, he saw one on the trail. I believe. I never. I don't that's think I actually saw one, but Cam did see one. Um, well, they did have they did have the Massasauga Rattlers on Beausoleil Island. They had a little uh, uh, Ministry Natural Resources mm. uh, sanctuary there, and they actually had a Massasauga wet Rattler in the in like a um, a glass and cage. That's right. People. They did. I remember that now. Yes. Yeah, you yes. can see it. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't remember that until now. Yeah, it's so much wildlife. And like, as a kid, like you're at school all year, you're kind of disconnected from it. And like, I'm sure the same thing is for adults. You know, you're working and then you, you don't get to see it. And then you actually you come face to face with it. And like, it's just really astounding. Like I even remember... There was a snapping turtle, and I, I meet my brothers. We were there, there were minnows or something in the lake, and we we're poking around, and all of a sudden we see this massive snapping turtle, and then we all kind of, we kind of run, and then like this thing is there trying to eat these fish, and it was like cu- coming face to face with wildlife for like the first time. And that was when, and I remember that because we were actually in Frying Pan Bay, and you guys uh, were fishing in our dinghy and we decided to take a hike so we took we left the boat moored in the bay and then we took the dinghy over and we we started the hike and i remember someone finding a snapping turtle under the water and uh it was uh you could it looked like a rock Mm. but it was actually a turtle there and what was what i realized by being there is uh, I always wondered where turtles, snapping turtles, went in the winter. And I don't know if you remember, Colin, but we found out that the turtles actually would burrow, burrow themselves into the mud. Yeah. And they would they would shut their systems down. Right. And they would literally uh, almost like just hibernate in the mud. They would never go up for oxygen for air, and they would be there for the, the entire winter. 
and then when the when the ice melted, the turtles would come out of the mud and they they pop back up because they had a way of shutting their entire system down. Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's incredible how much how many different types of types of wildlife there are um, within such a small area. Um, what does like kind of kind of going back to like family? Like, what did like having us on that boat like together? Obviously, for our friends would come up. Um, to be on the boat and to to be a part of our trip. Um, what did you did you What did you notice like between me, Graham, and Cam and my brothers? What did you notice with us? Did you notice any changes with us on the trips or like for you as a as a parent? What did you see that we got out of being on these trips? Well, what I saw was everybody has different interests. So you were always the one. You were, you were, out of the three, Colin, you were the most nature-oriented person. You were the one that would actually walk into the corner areas of the bay, and, and uh, you, would, you would walk almost into this mud looking for frogs and all this stuff. You were also, you were also one that loved to dive in the water, and this was a time when zebra mussels were becoming more predominant in, in Georgian Bay, if you remember. And right. you would dive down in the water and bring up clumps of zebra mussels that were on clams mm. and on rocks. And you were almost like your own little uh, water savior. You were trying to do all this stuff because you're a very um, considerate person with nature. You always have been. In fact, I do recall a time there was a turtle crossing... Uh, a turtle crossing the road on Steeles Avenue, and you were in the car with mm. us. And you said, stop the car, stop the car. And we stopped the car, you got out. This was when you were in university. And you got out, you got a stick because it was a, it was a snapping turtle, and they can take your finger off very easily. But you coached the, uh, the turtle back onto the shoulder into the, uh, the ditch because there was a pond over there. And uh, but that's and that's the way you were. Uh, Graham probably was less orientated in fishing. Cam liked fishing, but the interesting thing was when you guys fished, it was it, which I thought would give me a break and I could take take it easy. It was actually more work because um, the fishing lines. I've never seen three guys tangle up so many fishing lines ever. <laughs> so I can imagine, yeah. As a parent. The lines are always tangled, and it's still to, it's still to this day with the grandkids now. Lila and Giselle. Hopefully, Bobo will start fishing soon. But Lila and Giselle, they love to fish, but you don't have a lot of patience for it. So, you know, you're always reeling in and reeling out, and the mm. lines get tangled. But uh, yeah, those are things that that certainly are uh, are real good memories. Just the fact that. In the boat, we're talking about boating, but in the boat, where you could go, the things you could see, the um, the nature we got to be close to. And as I say, you know, when you said, well, what's boating all about to me? Every weekend, it would be like we load up the car when we used to go to the marina. And we still have boats today, if you remember, because we got boats at the cottage. Mm -hmm. uh, but we used to load up the car, get up there, get on the boat, and we'd head out. And it was like heading to our own little piece of paradise, mm -hmm. uh, appreciating what nature has to offer, that so many people that we know, grew up with, live around with, 
um, or pass by in the car, never get to experience. We got to experience it. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Some of the greatest moments of my life that I remember um, at the summers at the boat. And you, you transitioned, you mentioned the cottage. Um, what do you, what do you notice? And this, I've always wondered about this. Like, what is the difference? Like, why do some people choose boating or why do some people choose cottages? And what are some of like the pros and cons of both? Or like, which one do you, why do people lean either way? Like, what do you think it is? Well, I think the fact is people like ownership of an asset that doesn't depreciate. Mm. In other words, like cottages hold their value. What I can tell you about boating is the nice thing about boating is, you know, it, and boating in Ontario is basically, they say it's May through end of October, but realistically it's June, July, August, and a bit of September. That used to be the extent of our boating. And um, you, you, you don't, first of all, have, it doesn't cost you nearly as much to boat. Mm. The total total money layout, the, how much how much money you have tied up in, in a boat versus a cottage. Also, boating is more about just relaxation for the most part. Although I used to have generator issues on our boat, so I was always trying to fix it. Uh, it was, but it was supposed to be on the water. The water slapping the hull. Yeah, we are anchored out, like we weren't tied to land, and uh, it, 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 it was a nice thing that every single. <laughs> Every single uh, day that we wanted to change our view, we could. We just looked at the anchor, started the motors, and drew, drove to another spot because no one on land owns the water. Right. The, the, the federal government owns all the water, so we could go anywhere we wanted, stop anywhere we wanted, throw our anchor anywhere we wanted, and just look at the, the beauty of the land. And one thing I don't know if I've stressed enough on this podcast is the beauty of what we have can be best seen from the water in a boat looking at the land, the terrain, the mm-hmm. boating. When you were, when I, we used to boat, we were boating uh, out of Penetanguishene, which is up on Georgia Bay. And we boated all the way up, uh, all the way up past, past Perry Sound over to Killarney. The water there was almost like uh, the water you find in, in, the, uh, in the Caribbean. Yeah. Clear, clear, bluish water. It was just clear. And uh, wonderful fish. They commercially fish up there for white fish. We used to have fish and chips on the dock in Killarney. Uh, just spectacular. Now, in boating, it probably costs you. I don't know what it would cost today, but it used to cost us around 1500 to $2,000 in fuel to go up to Killarney and back. That was wow. on a two-week trip. Yeah, wow. it was uh, it was quite a bit of money, but that's, oh, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, but the fact that we were able to do it and see it and see everything, uh, the French River, uh, we stayed on the French River. We anchored on against the rock cliff. We um, swam in, in the water. We we uh, jumped off cliffs, went down whitewater rapids out to the the opening of the French River. It was something we all enjoyed we did it with friends and uh just something that we will never forget their memories uh, burned into our into our hearts and our brains mm-hmm. yeah those are that, i remember that trip vividly up the french river to Clarny, and it was 
stopping at that restaurant. I think it was called Henry's or whatever for fresh fish, yeah. and uh, it, that was really tasty and cool to have this restaurant in the middle of nowhere on this island, and everyone, all these cottagers and boaters are going there, and yeah, it was really good. And you know the shame of the shame of that restaurant is I understand because I was talking to someone recently saying that that restaurant's no longer open in the summer because they can't find people to staff it. And if you remember, we used to when we used to go to Henry's, and we actually stayed for a week out at a place just south of Henry's. We stayed at uh, uh, an island called Wreck Island, mm-hmm. and and there was actually a shipwreck from one of the wooden vessels that used to boat Georgian Bay taking people from wherever to wherever. I'm not 100% sure. And and one night we actually had a, a water taxi come, pick us all up, and we all went to Henry's for dinner, and then the water taxi took us back. Wow. That's yes. amazing. I didn't know that. I didn't remember that. Yep, and uh, it was just, it was just the ability to go where you want to go. And that's, so you ask the difference. Cottaging is you go up to the same place every weekend. Um, cottages are, there's always lots of work to do. If you, if you own a cottage, if, if because I was fairly handy, if I wasn't handy, I, there's no way I could buy a cottage because you, you wouldn't have enough money to pay everybody to do everything that needed to get done. Cutting lawns, taking down trees. Uh, fixing docks, fixing boats, uh, all this stuff. There's just a lot of things, carpentry, uh, plumbing, electrical, all these things. And in a, in a boat, you don't do that. You just, you know, you have a problem with your boat, you have the mechanic come and fix it, right? Mm-hmm. But in a, in a, uh, at a cottage, you basically need to be self-sufficient a little bit. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we still have, we have a cottage today and we, we have, we still have a boat. <clears throat> we love to go for boat rides. Um, our, bo- our lake is not a real big lake. It's not like Georgian Bay, so it's a big round lake. And we go one way around the lake or the, or the other way around the lake. We just decide which way we're going to go right. today, and we, we go for a little nice cruise. Nice. But, there, but there's nothing better than being out on a boat because it's just relaxing. For sure. No, yeah, as long as, as long as as long as it's working properly, <laughs> which from time to time there can be breakdowns, such as a exactly. boat prop hitting a rock, um, yes. which can happen. But hey, that's that's all part of the experience of boating, right? So um, you yes. take, you take the good with the bad. Um, a couple more questions for you. One more. It's like having been married now and understanding the the importance of maintaining a healthy marriage and a relationship. What what do you think you and mom got out of, like, boating, like, just in connection with each other, like, with you and mom? Like, what do you think boating did there? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. I think it was a sense of family, yeah. number one. Yeah. But I also remember uh, having some bad judgment uh, going out on a boat one day uh, when it was almost like a tornado. Um, nine foot waves. Uh, your 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 younger brother Cam uh, got a little seasick mm. uh, in the boat at the time. And when we got back to the dock, I I know that uh, I probably made a bad decision. So it helps you make better decisions mm. about boating. 
because what you have to do is one thing, boating is a wonderful thing, but respecting water is a very important element in boating. Uh, because it's not like you have a plate down in the car, you get off your car, you walk to the shoulder, you be in a safe place. You can't do that in a boat. Right. You have to you have to be comfortable with the water. You have to be, you know, do I know how to swim? There's a lot of elements that could have happened with a boat because there's gasoline engines and you know <clears throat> you know, you could have you could have had a fire on a boat. You could have had a you know, you mentioned uh, damaging a propeller on a boat, you could have put a hole in a boat. Could have, uh, and we saw that when we were boating up near Killarney. There was a boat that actually, um, it was a beautiful boat. The, the people were from Niagara on the lake. They had the boat trucked up to Georgian Bay. It was a 35 foot uh, sea ray, and somehow they didn't stay in the channel properly, and they ended up getting a hole in their boat. Oh wow! And uh, and they had to get called for a boat trans, a boat uh, transport. Uh, to come. Like a tow. And I remember. Like they tow the boat? No, the boat, boat was able to drive back, but their bilge pump just kept running because the water was coming in. Mm. So I, I remember that we, we saw them in Killarney and then we saw them in Brick. Uh, Bing, sorry, not Brick, but in Bing Inlet. We stopped there one night. And uh, the boat was there and the bilge pump kept running and I asked the guy and he wasn't too happy. So he's got a hole in the boat. He's waiting for the transporter to come to lift the boat out so they could take the boat to get get the hole repaired. Wow. Uh, but you think about it. They're in a boat. They have that, that's their accommodations. That's their transportation. It's everything. And they, uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse. They made it to shore. They didn't think. They didn't have to get rescued. They rescued themselves. But still, um it was a brand new boat. It was worth a couple hundred thousand dollars at the time, and uh, it was badly damaged. Had a hole, and uh, thank goodness they had bilge pumps working on the boat. The bilge pump is a device like just when water gets into the bilge, which is where the engine compartment is, it pumps it out. So the bilge pump were running uh, 24 hours a day, and I believe when we left that that next day the truck was coming. They were going to load it on the on the truck and uh, take it out. Wow, that's a that sounds expensive. Uh, probably it was because the transport alone was probably fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars to get it back down. Then they had to get the boat fixed, but it was probably going to get cleaned on insurance. But regardless, um, you know that's the that's you know you can look back on it and find, and I'm sure those people are saying, remember that time we we did that? Yeah, it was really stressful. But you know the good news is we ended up uh, being safe. The boat got fixed, and no one got injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just an experience, right? Good, good or bad. You take the good with the bad. Yeah. Um, yes. So my last question for you is, if you could go back and do it all again, would you do it? I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. In fact, the reason I say that is your mother and myself, and in about three weeks or four weeks from now, we're uh, we're having a few people from work that I know are going to use our cottage up in Halliburton, and we're actually going to take the new boat I bought this year, um, and we're going to take it down and turn a boat on the trench system, which is what got us into boating when we you mentioned houseboat at the beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. and we're going to take our boat 
and we're going to relive traveling on the Trent system, which is a miraculous body of water, how lakes are connected. I'm not sure if people know on your podcast, but the Trent system, a lot of the Trent system is flooded farmers' land. Mm-hmm. So they made it They made it to, to connect between Georgian Bay through the Trent, the, the Severn Waterway, down through Kuchiching Lake, Simcoe, into Balsam Lake, Cameron Lake, through Kirk, through uh, Fenland Falls, into Sturgeon Lake, the Bob Cajun, and so forth, all the way down to Trenton. Right. And we're actually going to, we're going to go up, and we're going to stay at a motel, and we're going to boat on the Saturday, maybe part of the Sunday, just exploring, and because your mother loves going through the locks. It's such a neat thing. You go into the locks, and you, and they close the doors, and they fill it up with water, and you, you go to the yeah. next lake that's higher up, or you're at a higher level of water, you get into the lock, they lower it down, and then they open the doors and you float into the next body of water. It is so much fun, and it just people people spend their holidays doing it. In fact, there's an ex-NHL player that I remember seeing at, at Arulia at Lake Kuchiching. We were staying at the marina there, and uh, he used to coach... Uh, Larry Robinson, he used to mm-hmm. coach the uh, New Jersey Devils, and he actually was a star player for the Montreal Canadiens back in the, I guess, 70s and 80s. And his boat, it was a big, it was a big 40-some-odd foot carver, and his boat name was Big Bird, because they used to call him Big Bird because he was so tall and, and, and thin. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw him in Aurelia, and I was just like, there's a guy that's so busy through the year, and he says, I'm going to enjoy what Ontario has to offer. Mm-hmm. I go out and, and see the beauty of it, and I'm going to see the beauty of it from the water, which is, to start the podcast, why you asked me why we wanted to get into boating, was to experience the beauty Ontario has to offer, see it from the water so we could see the land mm-hmm. uh, in its true perspective, and see the changes from, you know, driving up from Toronto and you start in Penetang, and you start going north, the rock formations change, the uh, the tree level lines change, and I think, Colin, you mentioned to me, you're going to do a camping trip to an island this summer that we actually went and stayed at for a couple of days. We anchored there outside the French River. Mm-hmm. What's the name of that place? The Busted Islands, I think we're going to try to get to. Everybody on your po- podcast writes this down. The Busted Islands. Mm-hmm. It is, it's an it's an island amongst islands. And mm-hmm. I remember um, when we were up there with the Carracks, they had a big, big, much bigger boat than we had, and we stayed there. And you guys, I can't remember if you took the cedar or just, I think it's just the dinghy. But you took the dinghy, two dinghies, and you guys went exploring. And um, we were so worried because you guys were gone so long, I had to start exploring myself to find you, and I did. But I was totally amazed that even though we were in this bay, anchored there, enjoying ourselves, having a you know having a drink and relaxing, I didn't realize what truly what that island was until we explored around it, which is what you guys love to do. Yeah, we actually got lost. <laughs> um, oh, that's what happened. Going okay. around, yeah, we were actually lost, but we found our way. Well, we weren't lost. We could go back the way that we came, but we had gone a little bit too far, and uh, we had to turn around. So, uh, but no, that was a. Really amazing experience to go and explore the French River and the surrounding islands and all that stuff. Yeah. 
Um, uh, it, was, it was. I mean, as I say, uh, it's always there winter or summer. In the winter, that, that water that we boat on is frozen, but in the summer, it unleashes the beauty. Yeah, And sure. it is beautiful there. It's just, and I'm thinking about it now, wishing, geez, I wish I was in the boat right now. <laughs> For sure. And I think that, I think we're going to stop it there. And um, I think we can all picture what it's like to be in a boat in the summertime in Ontario and like all the great memories that people have of that. Or if people don't have any memories to maybe inspire people to take it up or to rent a boat or just to get outdoors. I think we really I would can. Agree. I, I, I would agree with that, Colin. Yeah. What I'd say is go rent the houseboat, have some fun on it, and see Ontario and its beauty from the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, but dad, thanks a lot for being, being on the podcast, really hit on a lot of great issues and, uh, I'll be talking with you soon. Thanks Colin. Call me back anytime. We'd love to do another. Okay. Have a great day, dad. Bye-bye now. Bye. Hi everybody. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with my dad. It was really enlightening to get a lot of background knowledge about where my dad came from, why he started boating with the family, and really learning new things about my dad's life that I didn't actually even know. So it's really nice to connect with my dad in that way and to understand as a father, as a husband, like what goes into creating meaningful experiences for your family. And for me, my dad really made a huge difference in my life in providing me with experiences that took me out of my comfort zone and let me be creative and connected to whatever I wanted to be. And in this case, in boating, it was nature and like exploring wildlife and stuff. So uh, shout out to my dad for helping me out with this episode of the podcast. Um, I'm really hoping my loyal listeners are excited for our next episode where I don't want to give too much away, um, but I'm going to be speaking with somebody from outside of Canada who is living abroad and I want to get this person's perspective on what it's like living abroad and being away from Canada and what that person misses most about living in Canada or what you know looking taking a look at Canada or life in Canada looking at it from a neutral position what are some things that maybe we take for granted living here in Canada or what are some things that maybe we could improve on So um, get excited for that and we'll be talking with you soon. Have a great day. Bye.